Wall Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on Wilcom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. Gold. The world's economies have been built upon the shiny, precious metal for centuries. From the Holy Roman Empire's golden coins to the gold standard that backed the U.S. dollar for most of our history. Gold has therefore always been in high demand, and with wealth comes those willing to twist the rules to make more money, or even just people too blinded by money to think about things adequately. Take Martin Frobisher, an English privateer who discovered some shiny golden ore in what is modern-day Canada. He returned to England with the stuff, and with the Queen herself's funding, started the first European mine in Canada. But when Martin returned with tons of ore, the smelters quickly realized that it was pyrite, also known as fool's gold. So Canada doesn't have a good history when it comes to gold mines. Today, we discuss a more recent company that went from penny stock to one of the highest valued companies on the Toronto Stock Exchange to bankruptcy in the course of less than a decade. A story about fraud, fool's gold, faked deaths, and some real ones that were a result of the biggest mining fraud in history. Bigger than a gold rush. Bigger than the gold rush. Hey, there was some gold in California. Yeah. And it wasn't completely a lie. There was a little bit. No. Uh, so welcome back to another episode of White Collars, Red Hands, guys. Uh, we still don't introduce ourselves that much, but I'm Kashan, hanging out with Nina Kern. Yes, here I am. And we're back. This time I'm talking about Bree X. Bree X. Uh, which... At first, I thought it was Brex. But right? it's Bree X. But it's Bree X. That's what everyone said. I I don't know what it stands for. I'm not going to lie. Bree X sounds like a really cool pop star rapper. What? All right. Coming to the stage. It's Bree X. Pussy popping. Popping pussy. I'm on pussy popping. Got a wet, wet pussy popping. Gold pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Call my pussy just Jeff Bezos because it's bald and rich. Oh God! That's that's what Brie X's song would be. A bald Jeff Bezos pussy. Yeah, the name of the song is "My Pussy Is Jeff Bezos." No, it's just Jeff Bezos pussy. Jeff Bezos, but yeah, it's it's hitting number one on the. Hopefully, on the, the inside doesn't look like his face. Deliver a package like Amazon because this pussy is prime. It comes in two days. Comes for two days. Mm, okay, well, you know what? If you are if you're an aspiring pop. Artist, we have a song idea we, for you. We have a song idea for you. We're workshopping. We're writing something up. We're we're gonna mm-hmm. we can make this happen for you. Just contact us. We'll we'll sell you the rights. Don't worry about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Uh, but no, we're talking about Briex, the mining company. Um, and Briex is a subsidiary. It was Briex Minerals. Uh, it was a subsidiary of this company called C. I don't know what they did. I didn't look into it. I'm not going to lie because it's not related to today's topic. Uh, but Briex Minerals, the subsidiary, was founded in 1989 by a man named David Walsh. It's a very basic name. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. We're going to get some more interesting names here in just 
Just a second. Uh, for the first years, the company did not make a significant profit, if any. Uh, but in 1993, David Walsh was invited to Indonesia by a geologist friend of his, John Felderhoff. What a name. A little bit more interesting. Uh, Walsh met with Felderhoff and his associate, a Filipino geologist by the name of Michael de Guzman, which in the small, uh, one of the videos I watched for this, they love saying de Guzman. <laughs> de Guzman? They said de Guzman so many times. And I was like, I think it's de Guzman, but de Guzman. So de Guzman then pitched a mining site to Walsh. Uh, he said that while prospecting potential mining sites in the Indonesian island of Borneo, uh, De Guzman had found a dig site near the Busang River uh, that by first estimates contained approximately 2 million troy ounces of gold. What's a troy ounce versus a real ounce? I'm glad you asked, Nina. It's not in here, but I looked it up. I know a, you did. <laughs> a troy ounce is equal to 1.09 ounces. Why they use a different number, I don't fucking know. Because they're like... I don't know. It's what they've measured gold in, like, since way back in the day, and they just... Since the Troy, since Helen of Troy. I mean, I'm assuming. Troy is a great movie, by the way. Brad Pitt, <laughs> looking great. Troy ounce. Helena of Troy. Troy movie's good. Brad Pitt. That's what, that's the evolution of conversation we just went through in five seconds. Yeah, I mean, he looks fucking fire in that movie. 10 out of 10 would fuck Troy Brad Pitt. Okay. Brad Pitt now? No. I guess not after. I mean, obviously Brad Pitt was hot. He became famous, but you know, yeah, you got to be hot to be famous. Sorry. No, you don't look at George Castopoulos. I don't know who that is on Seinfeld. Isn't that his name? Okay. Comedy is the one is the one (laughs) exception to be a dramatic actor. You have to be hot. Kathy Bates. You tell me Kathy Bates can't catch it. <laughs> oh, uh, I wouldn't give it to her. Her in misery? Mm-mm. Really? Her in misery? Uh-huh. I'm into women breaking my ankles. She's like a little porky in that movie. You know it. Mm-hmm. To get back. Sorry. Past the Troy ounce. The first estimates contained approximately 2 million Troy ounces of gold. Now... This does seem like a lot, but it also seemed credible because of a few things. Gold is usually deposited next to large rivers, which uh, the, the Busang River was right next to the head of it, uh, especially where there has been previous volcanic activity, and Borneo happened to contain both. Uh, secondly, many large gold mines had already been found in Borneo. The site that De Guzman found was only about 70 miles from Indonesia's largest gold mine. So... It's possible that there was more gold in this area that hadn't yeah. been found yet. Yeah. Uh, also, John Felderhoff actually already had a reputation for finding gold in Demdare Hills as he discovered a large gold and copper mine in Papua New Guinea. So, despite other mining companies exploring this area previously and finding nothing, uh, David Walsh trusted the reputation of Felderhoff and through Brex invested $80,000 in buying the land that the potential mine would be built on. So did he know for sure there was gold or no? So, yes, they showed him core samples where they, they drill down and they take a core of the rock mm-hmm. deep down in the earth, and they showed that there was an estimate that there is gold there. Okay. So, yes, they did show him some science that proved that there was some gold there. I love but science. 
Well, we're going to talk a lot. I don't love science. We're going to talk a lot about it. I I actually love science, so I'm just going to info dump at you for the rest of this episode, just like every episode I host. In 1994, uh, De Guzman got to taking rock cores on site to further estimate the amount of gold that was present in Busang. Um, and I just talked about this, but they take the deep uh, cutting of rock, a, a cylinder cut, and then they cut it in half, crush one half, and send it to a lab while they keep the other half on site. So they cut the cylinder down the middle, send half of it to a lab for estimate, mm-hmm. and then they keep the other half on site. Um, just as a record. Um, at the lab, they test for gold to make an estimate of what could be found in the entirety of the site based on the cores. The core samples were showing that there was a chance for immense profit at Busang. Early estimates suggested there might be 136,000 pounds of gold at site, but core samples from two years later in 1995 showed estimates well over 2 million pounds of gold. And in 1997, the estimate had more than doubled to 5 million pounds of gold. And the estimates went all the way up to a staggering 13 million pounds of gold at this one site at its highest. Gold! Gold! What's the Pocahontas song? Once around the riverbeds. No, no, the one about the one about gold. You think the only people who are people still colors in the wind are people who look and act like you. Those are two different songs. Once around the riverbeds. Look and think like you. I don't know, but there's a the thing with the guy, the fat guy, and with the pug. I haven't seen this movie for so long. And he sings a song about gold, and he's throwing shovels like four at a time. He's like, gold, gold, dig. And they're digging. You know what? I'll find it later. Well, this has been a great reference. This uh, <laughs> makes me think of that song. I will I will put a five-second clip of it right here. Perfect. Shine. It's gold. And it's mine, mine, mine. There. Thank we you. Just, we just listened to it. It's that song, everybody. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh so 13 million pounds of gold at its highest. So this obviously created a lot of buzz. And the mine of Busan gained a lot of attention. A mining town with its own school and church had been built next to the site. Why do they need a school and a church? Because that's because a lot a of people town. were moving there. Because so many people have to work on the mine that they literally like they move their whole oh. families and a whole town arises around a mine. Heard. Okay, now I understand. Uh, it's just like the boom towns actually that we talked about in uh, the Osage yeah. episode about like. When you find money and like oil, oil or something, yeah. bam, just like towns sprout up around it. Same thing happens I mean, that here. makes sense. And more than a century after the great California gold rush, the promise of gold was getting people into a tizzy as investors ran to Briex to give them their life savings for a piece of the potential return of their El Dorado-sized gold mine. But things usually aren't what they seem here at White Collar's Red Hands. And this shiny empire was built on fool's gold. You know, I when you were reading this and it go, went from 136,000 pounds to 5 million pounds, I was like, fishy. Fishy for sure. But... Gold doesn't have babies. It can't reproduce that quickly. I mean, but if they find more core samples that show more gold, it's, it is technically possible. If they go around and they're like, oh man, we found even more gold from these core samples in this area. The whole area, like, the more you take core samples, if they keep turning up gold... Yeah, it just seems like a lot. 
I mean, you're not wrong. I'm about to find out. Yeah. Uh, investor attention uh, took BreeX, whose stock was only listed on the Alberta Stock Exchange and was trading for 30 Canadian cents a share all the way to the NASDAQ and the Toronto Stock Exchange, trading at its highest $280 a share. That's an over 93,000% increase in the stock price. That's insane. From 1993 to 1997. So four years. And this left BreeX with a market cap well over $7 billion in today's money. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything else to say for once other than wow. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, the mine had also gotten the attention from the corrupt Singapore government and its leader, President Suharto, uh, not wanting the cash cow on his land to exist without paying the correct extortion. Uh, he halted its final approval, uh, stating that BreeX was too small a firm to mine the area without help. So they developed a deal where BreeX would split shares of the mine with Indonesia and the President Suharto government and an established American mining company, Freeport McMorin. McMorin? I don't know how to pronounce it. That looks made up. I know. Well, someone made it up, but I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's someone's name. Uh, but the new mining company would have to verify the gold results at the site. Well, okay. Well, I guess if the guy bought the land, it's technically his. But I understand why the Indonesian government was like, hold up. Yeah, but they also did a bunch of nepotism, too, where they a bunch of Suharto's children got appointed to, like, jobs to oversee it or were getting paid off by the company to give, like, consultation and stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, Suharto was also directly getting money and his family were directly getting money from the mining process. That's fair. That's shitty. Also, after this whole story, uh, President Suharto's regime in Indonesia was overthrown like a year later by rebels. Oh, fuck. So people didn't like him is what is what I'm getting at. Uh, And he was known to be corrupt. Um, Remember that one time people tried to overthrow our government while we were still alive? That was was stressful. Yeah, bro. That was like a year ago. It was stressful. (laughs) Also, they did a very, I mean, they did a very half-assed attempt at it. Yeah. Well, it was still stressful. So it wasn't fun. Mm-mm. My grandma said she wished she was there. Uh, grandma Kern, you would have keeled Pulled over. Off, but that's okay. You get it. You get the idea. Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yes. It's like, what are you going to do? Huh? You can't fight a police officer, Granny. You got brittle bones. She does. You know, you can't even climb the steps without assistance. Mm, if there's a railing, she'd be all right. Oh, well. I guess they all got to be ADA compliant, so maybe... She could get up there. <laughs> the way you said that made it sound like you didn't think they should be ADA client. Yeah, that's right. You're like, fuck the ADA. Don't put any ramps on any of our governmental buildings. If you can't. That's my hot take. Oh, God. If you can't ride up the steps on a horse, you don't deserve to be here. Just like the, the forefathers, forefathers did. Intended. Exactly. FDR was our worst president. <laughs> Hot take from Kashan Bachelador. Not because of any of his policies, only because well, he, he had a wheelchair. Because I don't think he should have made it. I think he should have been able to get into any of the buildings. I know you're going to cut all this out anyway. No, I'm going to leave that in. I think it's hilarious. All right, go Because ahead. guess what? I'm not being serious, Nye. I know. I wasn't either. But somebody listened to the polio podcast and they're like, wow, FDR got polio from eating Eleanor Roosevelt's ass. <laughs> <laughs> they thought we were being serious? No. 
they couldn't believe I said it. Yeah. And I was like, I forgot I said that per usual. And I was like, that does sound like something I would say yeah. that is on the airwaves forever. Yeah, that was funny. I'll give myself that one. You know, you've embarrassed yourself enough on the show. I'll, I'll leave one in for me. How's that? Thanks. You're you're very welcome. Right. Uh, <laughs> so back to this. So independent auditors, when independent auditors were first sent out to Busang, they discovered that most of the half-core samples that were supposed to be kept at the site were not there. And if they were, they were much smaller than the amount they were supposed to keep. They were only keeping 10 centimeters of, out of every meter of core at the site. So they should have had half a meter? They, should, they kept 10 centimeters for every meter. Right. So one-tenth of, of what, what they were, they were supposed, supposed to have. have. Also, were the independent auditors Indonesian or were they Canadian? Um, Do you know? They were. I think this was an American company that was doing the audit. Oh. Why were we part of it? This literally has nothing to do with us. Because Freeport McMoran was hired by the Indonesian government to split oh, it. Because they were. I missed. So I knew that they were an American company, but I missed that the Indonesians hired them. Yeah, they were the more. So the president, uh, President Sahardo, came in and said, You're too small of an operation mm-hmm. to carry out this whole mining. So we'll only give you the final approval if you split shares between us and a more established mining company. And the more established mining company they chose was Freeport McMoran, which is the American-based mining company. It's out of Phoenix, Arizona. Perfect. So these independent auditors were actually sent. The first round, though, was sent by Briex themselves to verify it because you need to, you need to get an outside audit to get approval for mining. Basically, it's part of the job. Um, so they haven't been keeping their core samples they're half that they're supposed to keep. And if they do keep any, it's way less than what they're supposed to have. So the Guzman blamed this on something called the nugget effect, which is a process where the gold is not evenly distributed in the cores. So he said that he needed to grind the whole core, not just half, to produce an accurate gold estimate. So he's basically saying like, well, sometimes one half core has all of the gold in it because it's the nugget effect. It's all over there. It's not randomly displaced. Okay. So I need to grind the whole thing to get more of a sample size to get a better average is what he said. And that's the thing. At every single step, I mean, de Guzman is actually a pretty smart geologist and a pretty smart scientist. So every time someone brings something up, he has a scientific way to explain it. Yeah. That sounds reasonable, even to experts. Okay, that's fair. So... That's honestly the best thing he did. Is he's obviously smart. He obviously knows what he's doing. He's a good geologist, and he can come up with shit that sounds pretty reasonable. Um, they also noted that the gold present in these samples was rounded along the edges and had a brighter interior related to its exterior. Hmm. Um, and these are usually qualities of gold found from river panning rather than mining. Interesting. And De Guzman explained this away, saying that it was consistent with gold found around dormant volcanic pools, which was still kind of like a geological, like mining theory at the time anyway. So just another way that he explained it where they were like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's fair. Like maybe it's not normal because when you get it from a mine, it's uh, alluviumated. They're like alluvium mines. Okay. Um, and that has a different resemblance than the other ways you'll get gold. But because of this volcanic pool theory, he's like, no, there's going to be some, that's how it's going to 
be affected because it was like the river and the the volcanic pools mixing and that what caused these big deposits of minerals to begin with. Okay. As it turns out, though, the appearance of the gold and the red flags it produced were completely justified because de Guzman had falsely inflated the gold present in the rock samples through a method known as salting. And the the name salting literally comes because people would take gold dust and like just throw it around wherever they were going like they were like they were literally salting the area um but i guess this was the first time that anyone had really heard of someone throwing it just in the rock samples itself so the, oh, okay yeah so at first he added a small amount of gold in the beginning by shaving off flakes of his wedding ring that he had he would file down his wedding ring into the samples and later the uh inflated estimates were even more inflated because he was adding gold that he bought from a local river gold panner. Which is why that that's it why it's like it had panned the appearance gold. of panned gold. Yeah. And over the course of three years it is said that De Guzman bought sixty one thousand dollars worth of gold from this man to add to the core samples. I mean if he's making that much money off of them, that's not a bad like No, he made way more yeah, money than sixty one thousand I mean that's still dollars. shitty, but it wasn't a bad investment. And here's the thing. If he was smart about doing this as well, because if he just took an amount of gold and threw it in there, it would probably look like it was too high. Like people would get fishy. It would look it would look unrealistic. Right. He literally he did the math to find out exactly how much gold he would have to add to exactly how much rock to get to the consistency that would make it look high, but not too high every time he did it. Good work, sir. So just pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Yeah. And it did very well. It had literally everyone fooled, including all of these very smart professionals that were supposed to be there to double check him. Um, so why do this, you ask? You know, he's just, he's just a guy who works at the site, right? Well, when Felderhoff and de Guzman entered into an agreement with Briex, they did so for stock options in the company. And if the estimates continued to rise, so would the stock price. So their original stock options that they got are now worth 93,000% more than what they got them at at their peak. Damn. Because they got in at the beginning when they were worth 30 cents a share. They yeah. were a penny stock. Yeah. And now they're worth over $280 a share. They got 10, they got like a thousand shares in stock option when they signed on, that's $2.8 million. It's insane. You know? So, and you'll see it's even more than that in a little bit. But uh, for example, though, uh, due to this price hike, uh, the last jump in estimates were released from core samples taken by De Guzman immediately after the deal with President Saharto that would see Briex only keeping 45% of the shares of the mine because they had to split it with Indonesia and the American company. So the stock price started to decline because now they're only getting 45% of the, the price that they were, or the money they were supposed to get at the beginning. So De Guzman upped the amount of gold that he put in by a small amount um, to get the estimate to get higher so that the price would go back around. It's like, okay, so we're accepting less percentage on it. It has to be worth more now. Mm-hmm. So that's what he did. That being said, on March 19th, 1997, the cards began tumbling in on Briex and de Guzman. He received a call that the American mining company had not been able to produce the same amount of gold and samples tainted from Busang. 
and that De Guzman needed to make it down to Indonesia as immediately as possible to sort out the issue. Womp womp. How is he supposed to sort it out? Well, this is where things get... He's about to get whacked. This is where things get a little weird. Yeah. De Guzman, on that day, boarded a helicopter that would take him to the site. Halfway through the ride, while still traveling over the Indonesian jungle, the pilot looked back to check on De Guzman and found the helicopter empty. De Guzman was nowhere to be found. I don't think you can just, like, open the door of a helicopter and jump out. It was a small helicopter, so there's no doors. So how's he, how did he disappear? Did the rapture happen? Click, takes off a seatbelt, jumps out. Jumps out of where? The sides are open. There's oh. no doors. Oh, Hel- smaller helicopters, That's they right. don't they don't close. You That's just get right. in and I put on the seatbelt. I forgot about that. Oh, how dare- how daring! Uh, De Guzman, you are a little uh, adventurer. You're brave. Well, he was killing himself. So, oh, he killed himself. He would, yeah, yeah, no, he was wearing a parachute. Nina, I thought he was. I thought we were going to have a Marcus Schranker situation <laughs> all over again, where we fake our own death and jump out of airplanes. Well, we might. But he killed himself. But we're about to get into it. Uh, no, he was not as far... Oh, fuck. You would, like, combust in the air, and then all your intestines would rain down on the Indonesians. What? Wouldn't, like, the air pressure? Wouldn't you just kind of, like... No, people jump out of helicopters, Nina. Yeah, but he's dead! Never mind. He's dead when he hits the ground. I kind of thought, like, the air pressure might... No. I guess it's not space. That's not how science works. I don't. I don't even know what you're saying right I now. I had terrible science education. <laughs> it's just air. It's the same. It's thinner. There's less pressure up there. I just thought that maybe like, you know what? Never mind. People jump out of helicopters and with a parachute, and they don't explode. Yeah, but he didn't have one. You think the parachute protects you from exploding? No, I don't know what I was talking about. All right, great. I just really thought he might. Have, I don't know. Sorry. I wanted to add some drama. There's enough drama here already. A man jumped out of a helicopter. Uh, And there's more. Uh, Even though the pilot had GPS tracked the entire flight and marked the exact moment when he discovered uh, De Guzman had jumped, it still took over three days to find the body. It took four days to find the body. Well, it's the jungle. And then... Yeah, but I mean, come on. But here's where it gets even weirder because only 400 feet from a logging road... The body that was said to be De Guzman was found. The hands and feet were missing. The body had been mostly eaten by animals, and this is the grossest part. The penis had been surgically removed. Well, someone wanted a trophy. So the penis was not eaten by an animal. They said it was surgically removed. They said the hands and the feet also looked surgically removed, too. They probably were. So gross. So, he cut off his own hands, feet, and penis in the air. Just like Jeffrey what I'm Epstein. Trying to say. Uh, so obviously, some red flags here. Where did the hands and feet go? Number one, uh, the body was said to have been verified uh, to be Guzman's body by matching dental records and fingerprints. How did they get fingerprints if there were no hands? This is something that was not. Descri- that was not talked about in any of the source material I found. Was there something on his body that he had touched? And then, like, they, you know, like a belt yeah, buckle? That is not, that's not very conclusive then, though, to, oh, to match yeah. the body. It just says that De Guzman had touched this belt. I want to his severed hands to match his fingerprint. That will tell me 
this is his body. Yeah. You know, but they didn't have the hands or feet, but they were said that they used dental records and fingerprints to match it. How does that work? Uh, the body was never identified by De Guzman's wife and was only seen and identified by one man, a site worker at Busan. So they never showed any of his family members to verify who it was. It was a closed casket. They never saw the body and only one man ever verified his identity on record. Hmm. According to a journalist, John Macbeth, who was stationed in Jakarta, the capital of Singapore at the time for an American publication, um, a body had been reported missing from the morgue in the closest town to where the body was discovered uh-huh. the night before. And a woman who was De Guzman's wife, they actually found um, five women who all thought they were his wife. He had five, oh, he, he had five wives. Um but what? Yeah, I know. Were a lot of them? I'm so, I'm sorry. This is going to sound bad, but were a lot of them in Indonesia? I think only one was in Indonesia. They were everywhere. He had like one in Canada, one in Indonesia, one in America, like one. How do you have time for in the five Philippines? wives that are that spread out? Maybe they just all thought he was really busy. You're only dicking everybody down maybe twice a year. And he, they all thought they were married to him, too. Like, That's it's not insane. just girlfriends. Like, they all thought they were married to him. But one of the women was still receiving regular payments from an unknown source long after he died. Died. In, ex, in exclamation. Uh, not exclamation. In fucking quotes. Quotes. Yeah. So, mm, all in all, it's pretty fishy. And I lean on the side that De Guzman did not die that day and may well still live on. He could even be listening to this podcast right now, for all we know. But others still believe he jumped, or another theory is that he was pushed from the helicopter. By who? Exactly. There was no one the else. The pilot? Literally, the pilot would have to, like, put on autopilot and then, like, throw him from the helicopter. That's, I don't, I don't think, I don't like that theory. But also, the pilot would have to be paid off in this anyway, because he would have to lie about him not wearing a parachute. Because the pilot did land without Guzman, so he kind of did have to jump out of the airplane. And, like, pull a parachute. Guzman did? Yeah. Also, it, a really weird part of this is that someone was like, if you want to disappear, Singapore's a really good place to do it. Because you can buy a recently dead body for, like, one to 300 bucks. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, they're just selling dead bodies in Singapore for, like, a, a few a few Benjis? It's fucked up. Mm. Singapore got some fucked up values around now. So, I mean. so and there's been supposedly been some sightings of him in Canada. I believe it. So. I would venture to say he's probably not dead and that they bought the body in the morgue and said it was him. There's just a lot of, a lot of weird stuff going on with this one. He wanted a sixth wife, wanted to get rid of the other five. So what other better way to get rid of your wives than to fake your death? How rude that he only sent money to one of them. Right? Yeah, that is pretty fucked up. It was like, okay, you still get to get sent money. He was her favorite. She was his favorite. She got that. She had the gorilla grip. That's what I was going to say. She got the gorilla grip. <laughs> Worth all every fucking penny. Uh, the quote unquote death of De Guzman would spell the end for Brie X, however. And there were some people still alive that could possibly be brought to justice for this multi-billion dollar fraud. A week after the helicopter ride of De Guzman, Freeport McMoran reported publicly that they had found insignificant amounts of gold at Busang. A frantic sell-off of Briex stock began, and the price of shares plummeted, soon stopping their trading altogether. Briex, 
thinking that there was something wrong with Freeport McMoran's analysis, hired their own third-party company to evaluate the site and samples. This was a bad move as the company came back with a report that confirmed that the previous samples were salted with gold dust and Brex had no choice but to file for bankruptcy protection in November of 1997. So they literally went from billions and penny, um, yeah. penny stock in 1993 to over a $7 billion valuation in today's money to completely bankrupt in four years. That's insane. Yeah. And David Walsh, who was disgraced with the downfall of the company, and who I believe truly had no idea that the whole thing was a sham, moved to the Caribbean with his wife afterwards, and two years later was tied up in his home in Nassau and threatened with murder if he did not give them all of his money. Now, I don't know how the incident actually resolved, but all accounts of it said that it ended peacefully. Did it? I don't know. Because he's tied to a chair and he's being threatened. Well, they didn't How shoot him. How peaceful is that? They didn't shoot him. I'm going to peacefully threaten you right now. I'm so threatened. Like, it doesn't... No, but you know what I mean? It's like, that's not a thing. You don't peacefully threaten people. Yeah, it's an oxymoron. But it ended... The, the incident ended peacefully, I should say. You know, it was... It wasn't peaceful the whole time because they broke into his house, tied him up, um, and told him they were going to shoot him if he didn't give him all their money. Um... But it ended peacefully because he wasn't dead. That being said, two weeks later, David Walsh died of a massive heart attack or a brain aneurysm uh, as different sources said different things. Uh, This is literally one of the biggest scandals ever. And for some reason, you can't find exactly how this man died. Hmm. Literally half the sources I had said heart attack and the other half said like the Wikipedia page says brain aneurysm. And then another source which probably used the Wikipedia page, said brain aneurysm. But then, like, documentaries closer to the time say heart attack. So I'm going to lead to heart attack. It's just one of those weird it things that comes up where I'm like, I don't know. That's interesting. I wonder where the Wikipedia guard article got the brain aneurysm. Yeah, I didn't actually follow that source to see yeah, where they fine. quoted, but I don't know, probably not. Well, you know, Wikipedia is the autopsy. best place to look because anyone who knows anything about the topic can put information on there. So, Sir. That's a Michael Scott quote. I don't watch The Office. Well, never mind. (laughs) Felderhoff, however. I forgot about him. All right. Is a different story because just months prior to the scandal being announced, Felderhoff and De Guzman sold large portions of their stock in Briex. At the time, it was not seen as suspicious because the public thought that these were just men who used to not be very wealthy because they weren't wealthy before all of this. They thought they were just cashing in on some of their earnings that they had acquired because they don't have any liquid capital. So they got to sell some of their stock to get liquid capital to, I don't know, buy another mansion or some shit. Um, But Felderhoff sold his shares for a profit north of $80 million. Damn. Damn indeed. So if De Guzman had probably the same amount of stock options and he sold about the same before he died, then he made off with $80 million. That'll set you for life. That's enough to live on for sure. Um, Felderhoff was the only person involved in the scandal to receive a charge against him when the Ontario Securities Commission charged Felderhoff with insider trading in 1999. And after multiple delays, the trial was finally finished in 2007 when the jury brought back a verdict of not guilty. 
It is said that Felderhoff spent almost all of his money, however, on legal fees for the trial and to keep multiple lawsuits against him for his role in the scandal, to fend off multiple lawsuits against him for his part in the scandal. That being said, kind of hard to spend $80 million even on legal fees and lawsuits. Yeah. Right? Uh, Especially because after this, all of the lawsuits against him and the company were pretty much thrown out because they were like, they don't have the money to pay you back. So they they dismissed the class action lawsuits because there was no way to get the capital. Because they literally, it wasn't even like they had some money in mismanagement. They they got money. They put it all into building, a lot of it into building this mine. And then it just all disappeared because the money, the capital they had raised to back was all gone. And everyone sold off their stock anyway. So it's just, there was no money. No money. Because they never had any gold. Ah. Um, Felderhoff died in 2019 in the Philippines at the age of 79. Uh, Many private investors lost their entire life savings investing in the monumental fraud that was Briex. Even worse than this was the numerous public sector funds that lost money with investments, including what was almost the entirety of the the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, which lost $100 million in the downfall of the company. There was never a conviction for any executive, board member, or conspirator in the fraud that happened to Briex. So I'm sorry, listeners, but justice in this case was never served. Damn, two in a row where no one got in trouble. Everyone got away. Every single person in got away. In the last away, two episodes. Including... De Guzman. That's insane. And they all made off super rich. Yeah, same thing with Adam Newman and WeWork. Yeah. He had even more money. Yeah. Yeah, because, oh, yeah. yeah, I I forgot. He was like 1.7 billion. Yeah, something like that. Insane. Um, So the story of Martin Frobisher, to bring that back, and his huge mine of fool's gold started a precedent of Canadian mining that lasted all the way until Bree X outdid him 400 years later. They showed you can fall for fool's gold even when there is nothing there at all. $6 billion in wealth was wiped out from the Canadian economy in about a week's time. And although it was built completely on knowing and purposeful fraud, not one person ever spent as much of a day in prison as a consequence. Michael de Guzman, Schrodinger's geologist, now exists in a superposition between alive and dead. Unless someone finds a way to open the box to look inside, we will never know which outcome is correct. I believe de Guzman still lives to this day, sipping a cold drink on a beach and living on the millions of dollars he stole from teachers and hopeful retirees. As far as white-collar crime goes, de Guzman is really the one that got away. Thank you guys for listening so much to uh, today's episode. I had a lot of fun researching Briex. Um, it is one of the largest scandals ever committed. Um, especially, I think it is the largest Canadian scandal. I like this one. So, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, you what what do you what else do you want? Gold mines, uh fake deaths, cut off penises? Cut off penises. It's this story really has everything. Uh <laughs> everything you could want and more. So, uh if you guys did enjoy today's show. Oh, wait, Nina, you have an update. I have an update. Give us the update. Okay, so, did you all listen to the Erica Jane episode? I know that you did. You should. It's one of our most popular episodes. Yes, it's a very good episode. Um, The Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, Erica Jane, her husband, 
committed a bunch of f- fraud. Go Tom listen. Tom Girardi. Yep, Tom Girardi. He um, committed a lot of fraud. So when we did that episode, he had basically just gotten arrested. There wasn't really much going on. Yeah, and supposedly he had dementia and he was jerking himself off in the halls. Yeah. Well, we made that last part up. But well, <laughs> the, not the, the that dementia, he said, The dementia part, we didn't make They up. claim he has dementia. I don't think he has dementia. Mm. But anyway, um, Us Weekly reported... <laughs> I know that doesn't sound like the a great very, source. The very uh, valid source of us. But I believe them on this. Um, uh, yeah, they have great repute. Anyway, Erica Jane, <laughs> who is the wife of Tom Girardi, has been dismissed as a defendant in Tom Girardi's ongoing fraud and embezzlement lawsuit. Damn. In Illinois. Oh. But still, she will not be questioned. I mean, and I think she should be. How did we end... Well, she could still be questioned, right? She's just not a defendant, but she might still be a witness. I guess that's true. I think they're just, they, they're not charging her along with Tom. That's fair. Right. I think that's what they're saying. And I don't actually remember how that episode ended. Did we, we was, he, she, was, she, he, was she part of it or was he just kind of doing it to fund her? He was doing it to fund her, but she claimed that she had absolutely no idea what was going oh, on. Oh, yeah, and you were like, eh, you probably kind of had You absolutely some like, had some sort of idea that he was scamming all these people. And then also, she divorced him right before all this went down. And so he wouldn't... So there was, like, some stuff with, like, the divorce and money that she claimed, oh, I didn't know this was going on. And it's like, well, you obviously knew something was going to happen because you divorced him and he didn't, like... He waived his rights for, like, spousal support or something. So, like, she wouldn't have to pay him. Oh. Because at that point, she was worth more than him. Oh. It's because he had the dementia. She was just like, sign this old man. He was like, what is is this? Is this this a letter from my grandkids? It's a disgusting age difference between the two of them. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, if you haven't haven't listened to that episode, you're wondering what that update was all about, go back and listen. It's our second episode of season five. That's last season. Um... And hell, just go back and listen to everything. Because if you're still here and you're still listening to this, that probably means you at least liked a little bit what you heard today. Mm -hmm. And if you did like what you heard today, then it'd be super awesome if you could support us for free by going on and giving us a rating. You can give us a rating on two places. um, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts has always allowed you to give a rating. It'd be great to go on there give us a five-star review. Um, But Spotify... Also, just put ratings on yeah, they their did. service. Yeah, they did. And we're still trying to get enough to get an official rating that displays. So go on there. Leave us a five-star rating if you liked what you heard today and support us for free. Um, you can also write a review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Tell people what you liked about the show. And uh, maybe you can get some more people to, to join the White College Red Hands Army. Um if you're on any of the other services right now, then what you can do is like, subscribe, share, whatever the options on that service are. Just get it out there. And even better and even more free is just have a conversation with a friend about the podcast. Say you liked it. Say what you learned. Um, word of mouth. Yeah, word of mouth. Um, say that Tom, you you learned today that Tom Girardi is, is, is jerking off in front of uh, orderlies right now. They'll love that. Uh, another way to support us 
for free is to listen to us on our YouTube. Um, we are hosted by Entertainment Buffet on YouTube. All of our videos go up there, so you can listen there. If you have YouTube Premium or YouTube Music, you can listen in the background even. You can turn your phone off and listen to us that way, and that uh, is monetized for us, so we get a little bit of support that yes. way. Um, we also did a podcast episode with Entertainment Buffet that you can go and listen to if you want to know a little bit more backstory about how Kashan and I well, more Kashan and I tagged along, um, started the podcast, how we do our research, how we became besties, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> all that's in there. It's our, te- mm-hmm. it's our tell all. It's our tell. Uh, <laughs> really? Because we didn't tell a whole lot. It's going to be coming oh, out. We in- did, but it wasn't that. There's no real scandal. No, nah, man. Our tell all is going to be posted in Us Weekly, Hell the most yeah. reputable news source there is. Uh, so if you want to support us in a way that's maybe a little bit less free, let's say you're fucking Johnny Moneybags and instead of committing white collar crime, you want to give it to uh, lowly podcasters instead, you can buy our merch uh, through mm-hmm. Public. The link is in the show description or you can go to our website, whitecollarsredhands.com. Hit the button up top that says check out our merch. That'll take you straight to the store. You can buy some stuff, a shirt, a sweatshirt, uh, a mug, whatever suits your fancy and uh we get a little bit of kickback from that help 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 support pay for uh better equipment in the future better editing maybe i can uh quit my job you know, we no, would love to quit our job please i hate my job i hope no one listens to this from my job uh <laughs> they hate their job too yeah that's fair uh another way you can support us for free though is just to follow our socials that's facebook.com slash white collars red hands twitter at white collars pod instagram white collars underscore red hands uh, you can also send us over an email suggest an episode we try to do a fan submitted episode every single season uh so you can start sending us or recommendations for season seven right now at white collars red hands at gmail.com um and I think that has been enough of me talking about stuff for one week. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.